Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. I think, one, you just have to look at like careers that you like in comedy. I think I did that to some degree. I mm -hmm. I looked at trajectories that I was like, oh, I, that looks like the kind of way I want to do it to some degree. And I looked at what the fuck they did like that simply and then kind of started setting benchmarks and goals for myself to get me into those into that direction. What's goody, Hot Breathiverse? Welcome back to Hot Breath, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I am your host, comedian Joel Byers, and this is your weekly guide to comedy mastery. Every single Monday, we're posting new episodes with comedy's top talents. Last week, we had Kyle Kinane on here promoting his album and breaking down his amazing, insightful storytelling process. Today, we have Sam J promoting her new Netflix special out on August 4th and breaking down her secret to all the success she has had in really a short amount of time when you look at how most people's comedy careers go. So there's a lot of helpful insight here from not only performing but business side. We did have an internet issue where at the very end, the internet cut out. So we were basically on the final question, but we didn't quite get to the answer but I do appreciate you tuning into this and you're still going to get a lot out of it. So without further ado, there is only one thing left to do and that is inhale a hot breath. Hot breath of verse. Welcome back to Hot Breath. Sam J. show J. where I learned comedy from the yeah. pros. Today's guest has a comedy special coming out on August 4th right there on the one and only Netflix, and welcome to the Hot Breath of Verse, the one and only Sam J. Everyone, let's give a round of applause for Sam J. What's going on, y'all? Woo! There's a, there's an applause sound effect <laughs> happening right now. Don't worry. Okay, thanks. <laughs> so, well, I'm we're super excited to have you on the show. Um, I'm super excited just because of I'm not only a fan, but just of like your journey, and not only just like. Just the hardships you've overcome, but just your self-made success in comedy from... I mean, you started... The first time you tried it was at 20, and then you didn't try it again until 29. So now you're about to release an hour-long Netflix special. So how long have you been doing comedy between your uh, the second time you tried it and now? Probably like eight years. Eight years. Oh, That's oh incredible. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> wow. Like, what do you... Um, what do you what do you attribute to I mean cuz I'm I'm 10 years in to stand up and hearing like you know I've had friends that book like Conan 5 years in and you're like wow that's so fast but you have done so many things in just like a short amount of 8 years like what do you attribute to like besides raw talent of course but what do you attribute to like that success Um I don't know I think it was just timing I think mm -hmm. it's very important and not in the sense of the timing of the industry, just like as corny as it sounds like timing for yourself, like when you're truly ready for something and you're walking in your shit, you'll see the universe kind of aligned with you. 
you know what I'm saying? And and things seem to give you less resistance mm-hmm. when you finally like really figure out and work out all this inner stuff and kind of align with your purpose. So I think, you know, some of it is, is just purely that, you know, like it was just growth. And, and also I just think being older, I started, I was, you know, 20, but then stopping and I picking up till I was 29. I really knew myself. I, I, I had enough life experiences that I wanted to share. I think a lot of times the time that they say comedy takes is not time in comedy per se, as much as it's just time you need to grow as a person and kind of like develop a voice, which is really just life experience. And then that's how you relay those life experiences. And when you're young, you just really haven't had many yet. Most of us haven't, you know? So I think that also played a huge part in it was just my age. I, I, I wasn't, I think sometimes people start comedy just for a social group. I didn't start comedy for friends. You know, I was grown. I had my friends. I really started it to like, achieve something and so I was super focused in that way and didn't spend a lot of my time spinning my wheels but that also came from life experience and you know venturing out and doing other things and so that taught me what spinning your wheels looks like so I was able to recognize those spaces a lot sooner and Mm -hmm. and thus move move on from them you know so I think all of that kind of is why how are you able to recognize when you're just spinning your wheels I mean, I think it's just it's it, it will constantly change. And it's if the thing is meeting your goals, I think having goals is so important because mm. then you then you can assess is this thing meeting and serving the need that I have right now, you know, and that changes. When I first started, I just needed stage time. That's all I needed. It didn't matter how much. That's all I needed. But I had to recognize when my act was growing past just needing stage time and I needed quality stage time. And so. I just start to make some choices of like, nah, I'm not just gonna go spin my wheels in this direction. I could go do three open mics tonight or I could sit at this one show that's gonna give me quality stage time and build a relationship. And what's actually gonna serve me is doing this and not chasing my tail at these mics because now I got these bits that I need time to to build them. And I can't do that at a three minute mic. It just is not possible. I need to be like, for me, how I do stand up, I need to sit in this. I need to be able to, you know, dissect this for a while before I'm going to land on really what it is. And like, in order to do that, I need space and time. So it's just like, you know, being aware of what I was trying to achieve helped me decide where I was going to put my energy. Yeah. And that's something that's super unique to your journey is that you actually had a stint in doing artist management for musicians and like planning out a career, like being structured. What kind of tips do you have for comedians that are struggling to plan out a career? Where do we start and then how do we start to piece it together? I think one, you just have to look at like careers that you like in comedy. I think I did that to some degree. Mm-hmm. I, I looked at trajectories that I was like, oh, I, that looks like the kind of way I wanna do it to some degree. And I looked at what the fuck they did like that simply and then kind of started setting benchmarks and goals for myself to get me into those into that direction. And like you'll actually write down these goals. Do you do a vision board? A little bit of both. I mean, Uh but I think it's whatever like works for you. I don't think there's any one way to do it. When I first started, I had a notebook journal 
thing and I would write goals at it. And I needed that when I first started, I needed to write it down. I needed that level of like structure and also commitment. Cause it was the first time I was really like throwing myself into something. And I think writing it down was just another level of committing to it for me. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm like, I don't do, I still set goals, but I don't feel a need to write them down or anything. I just have them in my head and I kind of like know what I'm pushing towards. So I think it just, that also changes and it's kind of what works for you. How important are the comedians you surround yourself with also? Because a lot of times out at this open mic grind, we can get caught up and like, well, they're at these show and we're all kind of on the grind. But is it important to surround yourself with ambitious comics and not get pulled down, but as opposed to like rise up type deal? I think that's a general thing with people. Mm. You know what I mean? I think that like you should, you know, try to surround yourself with with it's like it's like a double-sided thing. It's like like-minded people and like-minded not in the sense that they think like you, but like-minded in a sense of like they have the same heart as you. They they value things the way you value things. But I also think people that at the same time think differently to you and will challenge you. And I think it's like finding that type of balance of like people for sure will will help a hundred percent. I think if you're hanging around a bunch of people that are just kind of like doing it for the fuck of it and and you know it's more of a like hang in a boys club to them and you're super serious about it that's probably not a good mix mm-hmm. and in thinking of just like your trajectory and you being a writer on snl like what you didn't even have sketch writing experience before getting hired onto snl correct <laughs> well i'm not i'm not the first <laughs> well, to yeah. not, oh really to not like have sketch write experience we get hired as a writer um, oh interesting oh i didn't realize that's how the, the game was over there sometimes I, the game over there is what's gonna work best to make the best show and that takes a mix of people and a mix of backgrounds and a mix of experiences and uh you can you know it's a comedy centered show so as long as you got funny and they feel like it can work within the system then you may have an opportunity in that space Oh, so did you just like know someone there that referred you? Is that how no. you get hired without? Mm-mm. What uh? How do you get into writing for SNL without like like sketch writing experience? You work hard. You do a lot of stand up. You get seen. People start talking about you. You know, there's yeah. no there's no shortcut to this shit. It's just doing the work, and the doors that are supposed to open for you will open for you. And you must have like had to go through like a sketch writing like crash course and this is one of the questions that came up from um one of the people uh people watching live this is cedric drake and he asked like how does being a stand-up help you write sketches and maybe you could also incorporate what did you learn about sketch writing that you could share with stand-ups that are interested in getting into it uh i think stand-up just helps you have a point of view and that Mm -hmm. will help you with anything that you're doing and so I guess that's how it applied to the world of sketches. Um, and what was the second part of the question? I'm sorry. Oh, uh, just like um, you clearly had to learn a lot very quickly about sketch writing. So what mm-hmm. what are kind of the, the things that have helped you to write better sketches faster? Um, I think it just like I had to get outside of myself. I think as a stand up, you're writing for yourself and you're writing your voice. And when you first start to write sketch, you write as if everybody's in your head and they get this, the, the little nuances that are going on and people don't and they're not. And I had to kind of learn how to put that shit on paper without 
also dragging the sketch down or or slowing it down, but just learning how to like be uh, more colorful, I guess, mm-hmm. in in the in the writing, and also a little sillier. It taught me silly, which I think helped me tremendously. And it was something that I felt I was struggling with on stage of like, I know I'm funny, but I feel like I felt like sometimes I was being more poignant than I was just being in the moment. And I I was like, ah, I don't, I don't want to not have that silly fun part of it. And, you know, I don't think that part would have grown without learning how to break all my own rules in the sketch world and just being like, oh, this thing could just be dumb for the sake of being dumb and just funny for the sake of being funny. And when I kind of got out of my own way in that way and stopped always kind of thinking like, what's the point of this sketch? And just started thinking like, what's the fun of this sketch? What makes me laugh? Oh. Then the, the rest kind of grew. Uh, and Mitt Wolf asks, um, do you have a favorite sketch and how was it written? Um, do I have a favorite sketch? Hmm. Maybe my favorite sketch was a sketch with uh, Adam Driver where they're at like the the white uh, meeting and he keeps saying that they can go to Vermont and and live in the white utopia that they they keep saying they want to live in. Um, and that just came because me and Tucker were were talking and he was talking about how he just came from Vermont and it was like this <laughs> white utopia. And I was like, oh, dude, I used to have a joke where I was like, the New England is the last like white haven. Like if, if you just want to go and just be white and not be bothered, like there's still a place for you. And we just started riffing and laughing about it, honestly. Is that how a lot of the sketches come up? Is like through conversation that then sparks an idea to sketch? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a creative space. So yeah. it works like creative spaces work in that regard. Yeah, we have a few people asking about writer's block as well. So this this could go with sketch writing or with your stand-up. Like, how do you overcome writer's block? How do you deal with that? Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I just, if I'm being honest, I don't really, I haven't really gone through that yet because I try to write in the directions that I'm inspired to write. I don't, mm. I'm just not a person that, believes in that super structured format so i'm not like a i'm not a comic that gets up and is like i gotta write five jokes a day i don't do that i don't write five jokes a day i i'm i'm kind of always constantly experiencing things and thinking about things and you know pondering on things so it's like i don't know i feel like i'm always kind of writing and i just write the things that inspire me and and if it's not inspiring me then i kind of like shelf it mentally and go like, maybe this will spark something at another point, or maybe it, it won't, or maybe it will add to an idea later, you know? But I, I just find when you try to force it, it feels forced. Mm, do you attribute that to, like, that is something I admire and love about your stand-up, is it is so authentic, it's so vulnerable, and it is seeming that, like, how you talk on stage is how you would talk off stage and bridging that gap can take like decades for some comics. So is that what you attribute to being able to sound so organic on stage? Um, I just never wanted it to feel forced. I just never wanted it to feel like I was trying to put on a suit that didn't fit me. Mm. And so I try to make this stuff for me feel as me as it can feel, because I feel like that's the, the shit I can get behind. 
and that stuff I can live and die by. But when I start trying to be something, if even if it like it, I always put it like this: like I never want to try to be something and fail not doing my own thing because it's it's the worst type of failure. And and I've been there, you know. When I first started stand up, I thought I had to do it a certain way, mm-hmm. and then like shit with bomb, and I hated myself. Cause I'm like, that's not even how you would say it. That's not even how you wanted to do this. So it's like, now you failed and you and you wasn't even you. So like you double lost. Whereas like, damn, I just got to a place where I was like, I'd rather just shoot my fucking shot. And at yeah. least if I break, it was still my shot. You know what I mean? Because the bottom line is like, you can break, it's, it, it happens. It's not, it's an unavoidable thing. So it's like, once you get that fear out of your head of like, if you're going to do this shit for a long time, you're going to bomb mad times. Yo. It's going to you just going to miss. It's just no way. There's just no way. So it's almost like the more you bomb, the less fear you'll end up having. Yeah, it's a part of the process. I don't trust a comic who says they've never bombed. <laughs> you, yeah, they never like tried before <laughs> you never right. got vulnerable. You never was really up there. What is what is your worst bomb? Like, have you ever been booed, or is there a situation like what is the worst bomb you've had in your career so far? Honestly, I've never bombed before. Now that you think of it, <laughs> I, I definitely bombed, but I kind of like put that shit immediately out my head. Uh-huh. I don't even like I don't even sit in that shit too long. So like, they all kind of run together. Like I can't be like yo, this one time, and I feel like they all just like one thing. I, when I first started, I remember going to do this show with a guy named Jonathan Gates and he was doing all the black shows in the city. And and I went and on the road with him and I bombed really bad. I don't remember where we were. We were somewhere like, we might've been in Ohio and I bombed real bad, real bad in this room full of black people, like bad, like crickets. <laughs> Nothing, like nothing, like nothing, like nothing went over, nothing, not one joke, not one, joke, nothing worked. Like I didn't have to have one moment of like, were they kind of like this? So I could work with that. It was just like, none of this shit is, is flying. Just literally talking to like stone faces for like 30 minutes. Cause I was featuring 30 minutes. And, um, yeah. I bombed for 30 minutes. And that's probably like the one that sticks out to me, but I can't guarantee you that was worse. I probably bombed worse than that and just pushed it out my head. But that's the one that I remember because that was the one where I I, I learned a lesson, I guess. So it, it stuck in my head. And the lesson that I learned was like to be in the moment, like you can't just come up there with your agenda because you you having a conversation with people. Mm-hmm. And just be more in the moment and recognize when it isn't working and be free to switch shit up in your way. And I And I felt like when I went up there, I was just driving the car and I was like, no, it's, it's going this way. And they was like, we not going that way. And I was like, yeah. well, look, this is where I'm going. And I didn't try to pivot at all. So it just taught me the, the, the lesson of like, it's okay to pivot a little bit to open them up. And then like, you could swoop the car back around and bring them back where you was going. You don't have to not go where you was going, but sometimes you might have to take a little detour to get them on board so that you can bring them to the destination. Yeah, I heard you talking about in an interview on another podcast about performing in the UK and there was, they just don't laugh as loud over there. And you were actually like, got out of the set and were just like talking to them like, so why don't y'all laugh that much? Or like, what's right. you almost like addressing them authentically, kind of like creates a more, I guess it seems like more uh, nurturing and relationship with the audience. 
I don't know if it's nurturing. I just know that I can't do stand up like that. It's got to be, <laughs> so yeah, like, gotta be me, real. It mm-hmm. feels wild if I'm standing in a room full of people and I feel the energy and I don't recognize it and I act like it's not going on, then it, the rest of the shit won't work for me. Perfect. That's good to know. Yeah, being aware on stage and if something is off, addressing it because probably everyone in the room is thinking the same thing. Right. And one of the one of the jokes you attribute to like having kind of like a breakthrough in the direction of your writing is your Mad Men bit, which is which is absolutely hilarious. It was on your Comedy Central special. But like, what is it about that bit that really kind of because we were talking to Kyle Kinane last week and he had a similar bit not about Mad Men, but where he was like, oh, this is the direction I want to take my comedy. So what was it about that Mad Men bit that kind of almost like opened up a new realm for you? I, I think it was just because it was a, it was a, it was a difficult thought for me. Like I had pondered the, the thought process for a while and couldn't figure out an angle into it that felt right and felt like saying all the things I wanted to say in the way that I wanted to say and it's it's layered in the way that I like comedy where it's a little tricky you know I mean if you listen to it on one level you'll get one thing but if you listen to it on a second level you'll get another layer like it has bottom which I like in jokes and um it was just the first time I had successfully like strung all the things together and and it was like and it was like a stretch of a bit it wasn't like this like fast paced thing I was also like taking my time and People were uncomfortable, but I wasn't running from their uncomfortability because I I was confident where the end was. And so that it was the first time I was like, oh, shit. okay, yeah, this is how you want to like do it. Almost like slowing down adds new power to the joke. I think it depends on the joke. But Uh yeah, it can. It can. Yeah, because that's um, someone's asking. um, Let's see. Yeah, I love that. Um, I love you saying it has new layers to it. So do you almost like look for that in jokes of like it, the good ones are going to have like these types of criteria to really fulfill? I just know it when I feel it. Mm. I know it when I'm okay. saying it and I'm like, yeah, it's doing this stuff. You know what I mean? I don't know if I like, I, I probably am subconsciously doing that, but I'm just not aware of it. But probably I am doing that to some degree. But I, I just know when I'm doing it, how it feels and how it's connecting. And like, I know when I'm saying all the things I want to say, you know, and I know when I, sometimes when the joke first starts, it's like, it's very just one direction because that's like, I, I'm, it's the first time I'm pulling it apart. And so the first way I look at things is usually from a, a me centric space. Then the second wave of it is like, how do people feel about it outside of me? And then the third wave of it is kind of looking above it all, how I'm reacting to it and how they're also reacting to it. So it's like, that's that's just a natural though, like process, I think, when you just are dissecting anything, it's like you usually come from you first. And then if you keep pondering on it, you'll start to think about it from all the other angles. But that's a, that's a good system to have though, in terms of like, okay, how do I feel about this? And then you kind of go through the different layers of it like that, That's that's gold. And you being vulnerable on stage is something that it it's seeming you make it sound so easy, you make it look so easy, but like for for like a comic struggling to be more authentic on stage, do you have any tips for how we can start to really get just vulnerable? Stop being scared. Mm, okay. It's just fear. 
you have to stop caring if they like you and you have to realize that they're all not they're gonna like you sometimes they're just not gonna like you it's still just people meeting people and everybody don't like you and that's fine cool all right um another got another question here about uh, writing for snl uh like what are the it's it's a dream job it sounds like but what are some of the um stressful parts about writing for a big network like snl i mean it's still just a job at the end of the day you know like you go in every day it becomes work and like work is stressful because it's work and it has deadlines and it has demands and you're fulfilling someone else's needs at the end of the day mm -hmm. and like not your own and so like in all those ways it's stressful like a job and what is a what does your day-to-day -day look like what is like the job aspect of writing at snl i mean you, you're writing most of the time and then when you're when you're not writing you're 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 helping make sketches better punching things up so any like it's a very collaborative space you know like we we could be watching someone's sketch and just notice that the the backdrop is is wrinkly and be like hey i was watching your sketch and they they kind of fucked up the backdrop yo you might want to tell them you know what i'm saying before mm -hmm. before the shit goes live because at the end of the day a, a good show for one person is a good show for everybody and um lakeek is asking how is sketch different from stand-up and maybe which ways are they similar uh, I mean, it's different because it's a different part of your brain, you know, like you're casting people, you're, you're assigning roles to other people, you know, you write a sketch, you got to cast it, you got to say who's saying what. And so you're using another part of like your brain to, to do all that stuff. And it's another part of your comedic mind, in a sense, whereas standup is just you centric, you don't have to worry about any of that, you're just saying what you think. Uh, Jody followed up with uh, Jody Carter asking, what is uh seems like a, a lot of people in this group were excited because they were looking to learn about sketch writing more so like what is something a beginner needs to know about sketch writing that they may not expect um hmm. let me think back to something that was like a lesson like a moment i think the one thing i i learned is this the, the thing i said previously which is just like nobody's in your head so you have to kind of write like they're not in your head i think people write with assumption a lot mm. like oh they know what i mean by that they don't know what you mean by that you can't assume that they do know what you mean by that or that they know what this action is supposed to inference you know what i mean they don't so and and, and also in stand up when you make those mistakes because it's a live thing like you can pivot like I said, and in sketch, there is no pivoting. What you write on a paper is what is written. For better or worse, sometimes, I would imagine. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. you are on those train tracks. There's no veering off like, okay, y'all aren't laughing that loud. Let's talk about yeah. it. Uh, you can't do that. And that. Yeah, yeah. This, that, that's, there's no opportunity for that, you know? Have have you had a sketch like that was in dress rehearsal and then it had to be rewritten or like something like adjusted really quick? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. That's just that's just a part of the show. You might have to rewrite something just for time reasons. So awesome. I it mean it's a live show, so you know, you might have to change it up just because we running out of time. Do you have do you have a favorite uh guest or memory from working at SNL? I mean Eddie Murphy. 
guest and member. For oh sure. My gosh. What what was that like? Surreal. Uh -huh. Just crazy. There's no way to really put words around it. It's just like you just feel like, whoa, how am I here at this moment? It's just crazy. So did you like get to talk to him or be you have to talk to everybody. You work there. They're, we're all working. Of course. Of course. <laughs> so we, we got to talk to each other. There's no way around that. Uh, so what what was he like? I see you're, you're, you seem to be hesitant about talking about getting to work with Eddie Murphy here a little bit. I mean, I don't like to talk about what people are like because what they're like is what they would like to me. You know what I'm saying? But he was he was cool. Yeah. It was a cool experience. I, I really I was I was in, in awe most of the time because you're just watching a legend do his thing and also in a space that he hasn't been in in a very long time you know what i'm saying so it was just like whoa this is like i said it's surreal that's the only real word to put to it it was just like walking through a dream for a week where everybody was just kind of like i can't believe this is happening and what did you learn from him just even by observing how he operated what'd you learn nothing nothing I, I wasn't trying to learn anything. I was just happy to be observing okay. how he operates. I don't know if I learned anything or if whatever I learned hasn't even downloaded onto me yet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I didn't walk out of it with a like, yup, this is how it be. The most I walked out of it was just like, if I learned anything, it's like, you got to keep, it's just still like, we're all just creating and it's still just like, work for everybody and it's like you got to work at it you know like he was still working hard and he still cared about this shit coming off right and he was still like invested in his performance and you could see like he was really giving a fuck and it's like he wasn't just walking around like i'm eddie murphy this is all gonna be great he was still like we gotta make sure this is great and i think like you're always kind of that gonna be that you know i don't it just showed me like you don't graduate from that if you are great there it is. I'm glad we kept digging. I knew there was something in there to get, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, get to work with Eddie Murphy. You're like, no, it was cool. You know, we're just chilling. We were writing, you know, it's just. just but honestly, this is the first time I've even thought about it and dissected it. So uh -huh. I, at first, when you asked, I really didn't have an answer. Oh, awesome. Well, we uh, we really appreciate you sharing that with us. That's that's super valuable. Um, all right. And as we'll start to land this plane here. Um got a question here from Bob Jorgensen about what is your opinion um, the most and least encouraging things about where comedy is heading uh, I think the most encouraging thing is the diversity you know you see so many different people and that's always good to see I think the least is people I just think like and I don't want to say cancel culture because it's not cancel culture as much as it's just people. Yeah. Kind of cancel culture. Like people aren't forgiving, which makes people fearful to explore ideas. And it's like a lot of this is also growth and you have to let, you know what I mean? Like the thing I think this week, I might tell a joke this week and in three months, I don't even believe that. So I'll stop telling the joke. I got a new perspective. So the joke has grown and the joke has thus changed. And I think now people are so afraid to even play with dangerous ideas because they can just immediately be canceled or, or written off that it's like, we're not gonna get to like the good dialogue that's supposed to come. Mm -hmm. do, do you see that shifting or getting worse or? I don't know. I don't know what, what I see it doing. I just, I'm aware it exists. I feel it in the air, but I don't know, you know, I can't give it a metric in that way. 
Is there anything in your new special that was, it started out as kind of like, eh, this could go either way, but then you kind of worked it out to be a little more like digestible? Topics yeah, you cover I, and things? I think so. I mean, yeah. I think that's like the whole thing. <laughs> you know uh -huh. what I mean? It's like you're, you're writing from one space and then you're just trying to, you're trying to figure out how like, how to get the medicine to taste good to everybody. You know what I'm saying? So I think a, <clears throat> a lot of it felt that way in that sense. Yeah. How do you, cause I feel like I've had some jokes uh, where they start out, <laughs> they didn't necessarily start out as funny, but I w it was getting some sort of reaction. So I kept like digging deeper to find what's funny about it. Is that kind of how you, dive into those deeper topics you're like well it's getting some connection and then i'll start to f finesse it into funny yeah 100 percent. cool awesome all right so in closing here um first off if you could i mean i love that you filmed uh the special here in atlanta i'm actually based in atlanta i know you were born in college park but started comedy in boston but um mm -hmm. we're glad you brought it back to the atl um do you do you have anything I mean, the, the special comes out August 4th. I think it's called three mm -hmm. in the morning. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Like what is, mm -hmm. what's the origin of that? Is that part of a bit that we'll see inside of it? No. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> nope. It doesn't ever come up again, <laughs> actually. I love it. It seems like you really just honed in on following your instincts and following like, it seems like following your heart and following the feeling around making decisions. I mean, is that. Yeah, I mean, why else do it? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's not a, yeah. it's not a nine to five. It's no guaranteed money. It's no real security. So you kind of like, if you're playing this game, you playing because you want to shoot. You're a shooter. So that was it. The internet could not handle any more amazing comedy insight. This interview was actually part of our Q and A series that we do in our Facebook group. So if you'd like to get involved in these Q&As going forward or our daily writing club or our monthly writing contest or our feedback mic, go into the show description, click join the Facebook group, and you'll start connecting with me and thousands of other comics from around the world. We'd love to see you in there, and your comedy will thank you for it. But thank you for spending your time here at the Hot Breathiverse. I always end these episodes by thanking my wife, she made the theme song for this show, so now over 200 interviews strong. I have ended every episode with thanking her. And that's all for now. Go forth with your comedy careers, hot brethren and sister, and I hope to see you in that Facebook group or on the YouTube page. And until next Monday, right here on Hot Breath. <sighs> <sighs> This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.